0: Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out, and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? (laughs) On 93 WIBC.
1: So
2: let's rock it!
0: My name is Jason Hammer, the gun guy. Guy Relford, pinch hitting for big Nigel today. And Guy, another Monday where... It feels like it's our civic duty to report what's happening in the city, even though we don't really want to. You know, we want to come in here and have a good time. We want to have some beers. We want to tell some (laughs) jokes. We want to laugh out loud. We want to make fun of Kyle. We want to do a lot of things. But sometimes this job warrants some bad news. And on Mondays, it feels like we always have bad news because we're looking at the crime numbers from the weekend. Yep. So Indy today woke up to... 14 people killed in the first 10 days of October. Police are now investigating after two juveniles were shot in Lawrence today. Now, they're still uh, in the hospital hoping that they're going to be okay. But two juveniles shot in what appeared to be a drive-by today in Lawrence, which means if you're keeping score at home, that's at least 16 people shot, four stabbed, and two killed this weekend alone. That's a grand total of 20 people either shot or stabbed Friday into this morning.
3: Those are Chicago kind of numbers. That's what's so sad about this. You know, we're Indy. We're not supposed to be seeing this. And 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 until, what, three, four years ago? We always were under 100 homicides a year. And look, n- nobody's going to celebrate 100 homicides, but it sure as hell beats 200. And we're well on track, again, to be over 200 homicides this year in Indianapolis. And that, that's a sad place to be.
0: And I... I respect my friend Abdul, our colleague Abdul. He has a fantastic website, IndyPolitics.org. But I just can't wrap my mind around Ryan Mears being up 20% in the latest polling for Marion County Prosecutor. I just can't see, Guy, how even Democrats, folks that usually just go in and hit straight ticket voting, can look at what Ryan Mears has done or hasn't done during his time in office and think we're on the right track
3: exactly i mean who thinks this is okay who looks at the fedex shooting for instance where the mother and daughter before the fedex shooting ever happened went down to impd reported this kid as being dangerous and police even seized a shotgun from him that he had just bought, reporting that he wanted to commit suicide by cop. Remember that? And it was Ryan Mears' office that chose not to file red flag proceedings. That kid then went and bought two rifles, went in and committed the the FedEx shooting, then you see the the liberal bail policies, and you see some of the plea agreements where people are right back on the street, and that's what you know our our our, our, our buddy Rick, who I know is going to be on the show uh, here soon, Rick Snyder is going to talk about about this revolving door of the criminal justice system. Who's responsible for that? Primarily, in terms of agreeing to these deals, it's the prosecutor's office. Who's the Marion Marion County Prosecutor? It's Ryan Mears, and he is up for election this
0: November in Marion County. The opponent is Cindy Carrasco, and I'm glad you bring up some of these plea deals because I want to go over a couple that have just happened within a week, and I think this is important because I don't want people to forget that these happened just because something happens late in the week as we call it in the industry the news dump where it comes out late in the week there's no real morning news the next day it kind of gets lost over the weekend I think this is important to remind everybody what happens seemingly on a week-by-week basis here in Marion County so Ryan Mears gave this sweetheart plea deal and a GPS monitoring device for a felony gun crime for this guy And then the court okayed that, but they didn't tell corrections. So this felon skipped out on the GPS. Nobody knew for months what was going on with this guy. And now he's accused of murdering his ex-girlfriend. The prosecutor's office wants you to feel like, oh, that never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. It happened last week, guy. And for a prosecutor who says that guns are the worst thing ever... It's interesting that he gave a sweetheart plea deal to a guy on a gun crime who then got out. And then the court system, which is all under his leadership in Marion County, was completely screwed up. And this guy ended up murdering his ex-girlfriend. That's one example. Rick Snyder, president of Fraternal Order of Police. He spoke to our news gathering partners, and uh, this is what he had to say. There is no excuse if this is proves to be true. That you sentenced somebody and you as a judge
1: ordered them to be on GPS monitoring, yet there's no follow-up to see if they actually showed up because you just left it up to the convicted offender to go and put their the, the GPS monitor on themselves. I think at some point in time, the community has to say that is enough
0: and our elected and appointed officials are not above reproach. So, Guy, let me ask you this. I remember in 2016 when Donald Trump was trying to cap off his campaign in a very frantic final couple of weeks competing against Hillary Clinton, when Hillary Clinton was allegedly leading in every single poll, his message was, what do you have to lose? So if you're a Marion County resident, even if you're a Democrat at this point, what do you have to lose by going against Ryan Mears?
3: I think that's the qu- I think there are two questions. What do you have to lose? And the other is is the is the status quo okay? Are you okay with what's going on in Marion County right now on these issues? Keep in mind on the on the GPS ankle monitoring issue, which you brought up, Jason, which is directly relevant to the case you're talking about. We've heard from Rick Snyder and others the statistics are Indianapolis. City of around a million people has more people released from jail or awaiting trial on GPS ankle monitoring than any other city in the country. More than L.A. More than New York. And more we're not than talking Chicago. about per capita. That's not talking numbers. about per capita. We're talking about absolute numbers. Consider that, and that's the system. That, that the Democrats in, in Marion County have allowed to go forward to put these people out on GPS monitoring and invariably, and oh, and there's the other issue, and this came out during the last legislative session because there was a bill introduced by a Republican in the Indiana General Assembly that looked at the GPS monitoring in Marion County and said they have roughly, at the time, I remember hearing the testimony in committee, they had roughly 25% of the resources in Marion County that they needed to keep track of all those people on GPS ankle monitoring. In other words, you can wander off, or in this case, as you mentioned, the guy never puts the GPS monitor on to begin with. And why would he? It, why would he? If, no, if, no, if nobody's watching, are you right. really being monitored if there are no monitors? And and that's not necessarily any individual's fault who's doing that job because the, the, they can only work so many hours. They can only watch so many people. The, the testimony was during, during a, a bill to put more resources uh, into the department that watches the damn things, who actually does the monitoring. We had 25% of the resources we need to keep track of all of these people. So we got more people than any other city in the country on GPS ankle monitoring, and we don't have enough people watching them. What's going to happen? I mean, that's the easiest answer you could ever come up with. What's going to happen? They're going to wander off and they're going to commit more crimes.
0: And reminder all of the chaos that happens in the Marion County justice system, you got to look who the head of it is. You might not like what happens in the court system. And if you're Ryan Mears, you can blame everybody else. But it's kind of like in sports, guy. You and I both are sports guys. When a team is struggling, you don't fire the entire team. You fire the manager or you fire the general manager. You fire the head of whoever's in charge here. If you want to be elected in this position, and again, Ryan Mears was never elected in this position. He was appointed when he took over for the late Terry Curry. Uh, You've got to take some responsibility, which takes me to this next story. Carl Hensley. This guy was sentenced to less than seven years, and I have a gut feeling he'll be out well before then, for killing a one-year-old with blunt force trauma. This was a story that came out late last week over the weekend as well. Please don't forget that this happened. Hensley was originally hit with more serious charges, including murder and neglect of dependent resulting in death. But according to court documents, Hensley wound up pleading guilty in September to neglect of dependent, resulting in serious injury, a level three felony. As part of this plea deal, the other more serious charges were dismissed. Now, Ryan Mears, the Marion County prosecutor, his office stated that they argued for an aggravated prison sentence but ultimately the court elected to sentence hensley to just nine years in the doc and two years of community corrections work release so this guy murders a baby with blunt force trauma a one-year-old and he's going to serve less than seven years and all your prosecutor can say is well we asked for more where's the fight Where is the, no, this is unacceptable. You got to get in there and go after it. Where's the fight from this prosecutor?
3: Yeah, well, let me me give you a little inside baseball here, right? Because I'm a criminal defense attorney. I've had multiple cases in Marion County. Let me tell you a a dynamic that's contributing to this a lot, and that is that uh, because of COVID and because of the incredible number of criminal cases generally they have in Marion County, the combination is during COVID, they got incredibly backlogged on trials. And here's how trials have to work. The, the, The system has to put the people in custody, especially those who have asked for an early trial, they have to put them on trial first. If they don't give them a trial date within the statutory requirements, they have to let them go. So those people are in custody. They have to be tried within a certain amount of time. Other people in custody get priority. Then you have this whole big, huge number of people who have bonded out. They've got this backlog. At one point, I heard numbers of something like 20,000 cases were awaiting trial in Marion County. Don't quote me on that number. That's just what I heard from people over in the court system. So you got that incredible number of backlog cases. And in some cases they gotta try them within certain amounts of time or or then they get egg in their face because they have to dismiss them. So what happens? If they have any possibility of resolving a case and reaching a plea deal and kicking that case out and not have to worry about it being on the trial calendar and clogging up the system as as another case awaiting trial they're jumping all over it and don't think defense lawyers don't know that don't think the pressure that the prosecutors and the courts have to get these cases through the system and resolved that the defense lawyers know that and that's why i think you're seeing a lot of these deals
0: again if you live in marion county you have to get out and vote in november you can't set this one out. And if you're a lifelong Democrat, if you're somebody that normally just goes straight ticket, all I'm asking is what do you have to lose by taking a look at the other prosecutor candidate? That's all I'm asking. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. I'm Jason Hammer, Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige. Now, I am not a Michigan fan. I don't believe you're a Michigan fan either, no. Guy. But some would argue the University of Michigan has a long, proud history of academic success. They've uh, they put out a lot of great, powerful, smart leaders in the history of the world. And this brings us to what happened last night on Celebrity Jeopardy. So last night, the pride of the University of Michigan, Jalen Rose... Former basketball star with the Fab Five, played here with the Pacers in the NBA. A lot. He was a contestant on Celebrity Jeopardy, and it did not go well, guy. It scripted, and it didn't go well. (laughs) It did not go well. Now, keep in mind, the questions on Celebrity Jeopardy are substantially... Easier than the ones you get on a normal episode, right? right? Like when Eric Berman, our uh, former colleague Eric Berman was a champion on Jeopardy, he wasn't getting these easy questions you get on Celebrity Jeopardy. The great sketches they used to have on Saturday Night Live where Will Ferrell was Alex Trebek, and then you had (laughs) Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery. Oh, man. And Norm MacDonald as Burt Reynolds. Like, those were the best. And it was a parody of how dumb some of these celebrities are on the show last night real life became like a parody of itself so here's uh jalen rose now keep in mind he was at minus 1300 heading into final (laughs) jeopardy (laughs) they just gave him a thousand dollars to play with because it's charity for final jeopardy and he he missed that too yeah so it was minus 1300 and This piece of audio we're going to play, I want you to listen closely because the host, Miam Bialik, she's clearly asking for a state, a state in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, Jalen Rose. This
2: New England state is known for chowder, old money, and being the home of TV's Gilmore Girls. Jalen.
0: What is New England? No. No. No, New England's not a state, Jalen. I don't know if you got your degree from the University of Michigan because I know you kind of left and played basketball. I don't know if you went back and got it. But if you're the University of Michigan guy, you're looking at one of your spokespeople out here going, you know what? You can stop wearing the maize and blue anytime now.
3: <laughs> we well, you know. In his defense, he heard clam chatter pff, straight to New England, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, right. But I mean, yeah, but, no, I'm I'm kidding because he, the the question was for a state, right. Who's, who's going to say New England?
0: There was at one point, and I had to go back and watch this because I saw it was trending on Twitter. He went like 20 minutes when he just kept his mouth shut, and he still had minus 1,300.
3: But wait a minute. There's maybe another explanation, which is if they have a football team, they must be a state.
0: (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's what they teach at Michigan. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But keep in mind, this isn't the first time Jalen Rose has gone on television and made an ass of himself. He was talking about the uh, Summer of Love. You know the riots of 2020 and he had this hot take about what happened to jacob blake and here's the thing that the black lives matter protest was actually taking place because jacob blake was shot and
3: killed by police officers
0: jacob blake was not shot and killed by police officers jacob blake is very much alive jalen rose yeah oops so yeah. again this guy again I get it, not everybody's going to be a rocket scientist, but to have minus 1,300 in Celebrity Jeopardy, not since Wolf Blitzer went on, has there been a worse celebrity with a lower score. Here's the host of the Situation Room, journalist Wolf Blitzer. name of this pasta, similar to Penny, means... Little mustaches. Wolf. What is Fettuccini? No. King David and Jesus both hailed from this town. Wolf. What is uh, Jerusalem? No. An accused person in court along with his counsel. Wolf. What is a defendant? No. Add one of this five letter word that refers to an economic crash and the fear driven rush to sell. Wolf. What is a crash? No. Wolf, things have not worked out as <laughs> for. Wolf is the other one that had a big minus number heading into Final Jeopardy where they had to give him a charity amount to play with.
3: Well, and he's such an arrogant little dude, too. I mean that <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, he, he's just he's so pompous and so arrogant. I'm sorry. You kind of have to root for him to fail, and Lord knows he did there. So listening to Wolf Blitzer and Jalen Rose do Celebrity
0: Jeopardy, tell me how different. That is compared to what Saturday Night Live used to do. And finally, back again, Burt Reynolds in a commanding lead with fourteen dollars. Hey, hey, uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. Great. Let's just go to Animal Sounds for six hundred. This is the sound a doggy makes (laughs) Mr. Connery Mool (laughs) No Well that's the sound your mother made last night (laughs) That's exactly what it sounded like With Jalen Rose last night It's the Hammer and Nigel show The only way to bag a classy lady Is to give her two tickets to the gun show
3: It's Monday Gun Day With the gun guy Just watch out for the guns Okay. Guy Relford.
0: Stop calling your arms guns.
3: Hammer and Nigel Show. 93 WIBC.
0: Hey now. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige. Nigel is recovering from that bad reaction he had to an anal bleaching. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for uh, pinch hitting today, guys.
3: Oh, man, I love doing this. I'm doing it again Thursday. Oh, awesome. Absolutely. Love to hear that. No, I love doing it. It's always a good time.
0: Now, this is your usual segment. You're normally here every Monday for Monday Gun Day.
3: Absolutely. No, I look forward to it. And we have our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, and accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at fortlibertyfirearms.com.
0: So I was at a wedding on Saturday, and my phone starts blowing up of, I... I am so angry at the Simon Malls. I am done with Greenwood Park Mall. They don't like law-abiding citizens. So there was another situation where somebody had a weapon inside of the Greenwood Park Mall this past Saturday. And from what I've been told, and, Guy, I think you and I have kind of heard the same story, this was a weapon that was in somebody's backpack and it dropped on the floor, some ammo spread on the floor. And because this is the same spot where, you know, a shooting, a very high profile shooting took place not that long ago. If you listen to the show, you know, you are the attorney for the hero of that shooting. Right. Uh, people were a little on edge. So that's what I've heard. Now, The Greenwood Park Mall, Simon Malls, have banned these individuals who had their weapons in the mall for one full year. They were law-abiding citizens, but it's also the mall's policy that they don't want to have weapons involved so where are you at here
3: well yeah and and there's a number of different layers to this we need to unpack but yeah so first of all uh simon mall has a policy you go in there they have got a code of conduct that they post and you go down there and one of them is no it's not a law but it's a suggestion exactly what i was going to say which is um it's their policy it's just like no masks no service or no shirt no shoes no service you know i mean they they can have whatever policy they want and look i I respect property rights. They're mall, they can have whatever policy they want, but to your point, they're not breaking a law. No one's breaking a law who disregards that policy. They can kick you out, and yes, they can ban you, and if you're banned and you go in there, they can have you prosecuted for trespassing. So if you think your phone lit up, you should have seen my phone <laughs> after this thing, where, yeah, the news comes out that three people had been banned, and, and, and immediately, my initial gut level reaction, my knee-jerk reaction, was to say, oh, well, first of all, it's hypocritical because they didn't ban Elijah Dickin, you know, and nor should they have, who was the hero of the Greenwood uh, Mall shooting in July, Um, so now suddenly what? They're going to pick on these people? Well, as more facts started coming out. I think this is where we need to pump the brakes a little bit about everybody so incensed over uh, the Greenwood Park Mall's reaction or Simon Mall's reaction, which is apparently, as you mentioned, what the, this, the report I saw, this is on Fox 59, was that a magazine, a so-called high-capacity magazine, quote-unquote, which really means well, about a 30-round mag, fell out of a guy's backpack, hit the ground, and multiple rounds of ammunition went skittering across the floor. Okay, And this was in the food court, exactly the same location where the, where the potential mass shooting and where three people lost their lives, and I want to minimize that, but where Eli Dickin then heroically saved countless people from being murdered. And by taking down the bad guy in 15 seconds, which is still the most incredible thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but um, the same exact location. So if I'm in the Greenwood Park Mall, I'm the most pro gun human being on the planet, right? Right. I got the Second Amendment on my right arm. I'm sitting in the Greenwood Park Mall and I hear, I, I hear a you know, clackety clack, and I look over, and a high-capacity magazine just fell out of a dude's backpack, and he's got rounds. You know, suddenly uh, skidding across the floor. I'm not sure I'd just shoot that guy at that moment. I mean, Lord knows I would want to take time and make sure there's a legitimate threat.
0: Because you're thinking, oh my God, this is a copycat. This is a
3: copycat who's in here to try to emulate what happened in July. And I mean, and 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 look, I, I support everyone's ability to carry anywhere they can lawfully carry. I carry everywhere, everywhere I can lawfully carry. I'm carrying a gun. That's who I am. That's what I do. But for some knucklehead to be in the mall and let his let his mag hit the ground and and you know in, 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 in that context where people are gonna be a little on edge, right there in the same location, I am not ready yet. I wanna hear more facts. I guarantee you there are going to be more facts. I mean I assume there's also a gun in the backpack, right? Why do you have the mag without the gun? I don't know. I mean I've I've had I've had you know mags in my pocket. Uh, the next day, what I forgot were there when it, without necessarily having the gun f- for for that mag. But I want to hear more facts come out, so I'm not ready to to be definitive on this. But. But if you're such a knucklehead that you don't have control over your gun or your magazine and you're scaring people like that in public, I think there's an argument to say you get what what's coming to you. And that's in no way to say I don't respect everybody's Second Amendment right to carry where they carry. Right. Or that Simon Malls has a stupid policy by banning guns to begin with and that people shouldn't say, you don't let me take my gun there? I won't shop there. I respect that a thousand percent. But don't be a knucklehead. And I've said that over and over and over again. Even on my show, people say, oh, you're a little harsh on people that make mistakes with guns. I go, that's right. Because when you're a knucklehead, it affects everybody else's rights. Because because uh, the next business is going to go, wow, people are dropping mags in the middle of a crowded mall. I better ban guns in my mall too, or my business, wherever it is. So don't be a knucklehead because you affect everybody else's rights uh, right along with yours. Right.
0: If you would have went out of your way to keep everything secure. I guarantee you the folks at the Simon Mall would not have said a word. You could probably have your weapon holstered to your side, your shirt over you know over the top of it even if somebody kind of recognizes what it is they're probably not going to say anything to you but if you're dropping stuff in the food court the same food court where you had a mass shooting take place you know a number of months ago well yeah they're going to have a reaction
3: they are going to have a reaction and you can't say it's unreasonable especially when they're on edge Anyway, I mean that's still pretty damn fresh. Um, the the GPD, the Greenwood Police Department, hasn't even uh, concluded their investigation of the shooting that happened in July. I know. What are they I,
0: looking into? Can you? I, I, you might not be allowed to answer that because I know your client is the the hero of that shooting. But what are they looking into? What's taking so long?
3: I can actually answer that because it's based on public statements by Chief James Eisen, who, by the way, is, is a great police chief. I'm a big fan of this guy. He's uh, he's an excellent police officer. He's an excellent chief. He runs a great department. And- and uh, they've really done a stellar job on this whole investigation. They, they're working with the FBI on some forensic investigations. Uh, they've they've pretty much given up on the laptop that was put in an oven, yeah. uh, like with a can of butane. i The guy had seen too many James Bond movies, he thought he was going to get a big, big explosion. He didn't, but he melted the laptop. They've pretty much given up on that. And again, these are based on public statements from the chief, so I'm not revealing anything inside here. But what they're still working on with the FBI is trying to get information off the guy's cell phone, that was the bad guy's cell phone, that was thrown into a toilet uh, sometime before the shooting started, and they're still trying to get information off of it, and they're running some computer algorithms through it, and they they've got some more work to do, and that can take some time because you're dealing with some computer phone-related forensic investigation. And this is
0: all to find a motive. It's
3: to find to a find. motive. No, you're exactly right. I, and I should have said that, Jason. Thanks for clarifying. Because, yeah, they're trying to find still a motive. But everything's pointing right now is to, to, to the dude just being a wacko generally. Not to get overly scientific about it, but right. it looks like the guy was just pretty much whacked.
0: Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford with us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Was there a new policy that was implemented by the FBI that requires firearms dealers to disclose buyer info to the U.S. government?
3: Well, this is this is breaking information because I've just had literally in the last few days some friends of mine or clients of mine who own gun stores call me and say, "What's going on with this new policy? Now, when uh, people are, are are putting a background check, uh, uh, getting a background check to buy a gun." For the first time when when there's a denial, the FBI is requiring the personal information their their address and 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 other identifying information on that individual from the gun store and and they're saying at least this is indirect and again there's more to be developed out of this so I'm still looking into it but there is a new a new protocol that arose out of this so called Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Remember that, that Biden tatted as the next new move in gun control? One right. of the things was to look into people who are between 18 and 20 who are denied, or even not denied, but even trying to buy a gun at age 18 to 20. And they wanted to get additional information on those people and do a deeper drill on their background checks. And as part of that, they can require additional information, including their address and other information to try to identify whether they have something in their background, including their juvenile records, that may prevent them from buying a gun. I think the FBI and Nix is using that bill as an excuse to gather more information on me and you, even much older than that. So that bill was basically a workaround for more surveillance. It's looking looking like right now the FBI is using that bill as an excuse to gather more information on law-abiding gun owners who are just trying to buy a gun, and that's scary. And there's going to be much more to, to say about this. We're still in the very early stages, but I've had uh, buddies of mine who own gun shops call me. Off, uh, a shop in Carmel had me come in and go, dude, look at this, and they show me this screen that they have to fill out now as part of a background check when somebody's buying a gun, and it's totally new, and it's much more information on gun owners than they've ever had to report before, and that's scary. Because there's one reason the government gathers information on gun owners.
0: Right. So this is what the FBI and the Biden Department of Justice is all working on. Meanwhile, anybody that wants to just basically walk across the border can do so. And there's a bunch yeah. of people on the terror watch list that uh, we have no idea where they're at.
3: Oh, yeah. It's all about uh, it's all Got about it. harassing law and uh, law abiding gun owners. They're somehow going to cut down on crime on that. No, it's just an attack on the Second Amendment as it appears right now. But I'll tell you right now, more news to follow on this. Where can people get more information? Relfordlaw.com is the Web website, always realfordlaw.com
0: Guy, thank you so much. Always. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, Guy, I got an update earlier today. 48 tickets remain. That's it. 48 tickets are left for a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana. It's coming up Thursday, October 27th. We're doing the show at Butler this year. So if you're somebody that's been waiting for the last minute, or maybe you're not sure if you're going to get tickets or not, this is it. There's a chance that at the end of today, this bad boy will be sold out. So 48 tickets remain. If you want tickets, here's what you do. You go to Hammer and Nigel Show social media, Facebook or Twitter. We've got it pinned at the top. There's a link. Or just go to Ticketmaster.com. Search for WIBC. It'll bring it up. Uh, There are 48 general admission tickets left all the seating is general admission. All the VIP seats are sold out. Man, this is going to be a fun night, and with it being that close to the midterms, that crowd's going to be rocking.
3: It's going to be rocking. I got to tell you, we've had two of these so far, and I got to tell you, I've had a fabulous time at every one. Um, you were kind enough to let me part uh, of, of your presentation last year, and then there's a there's a roundtable at the end, but. It's 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 not PC, man. It's not politically correct. You know, we say what we want to say, um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a great crowd, and it's a great opportunity to interact directly with listeners. And that's right. what I love so much about it. One hundred percent. And people are, are 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 so gracious and so sweet. But it's just it's nice to to have that direct personal interaction with people that otherwise just hear us on the radio. And I love it. I I'm thrilled that I got another invitation to go, and uh, looking forward to be on that stage with you guys.
0: You'll be there, Matt. Bear will be there. Mondo, myself, Nodge, Kendall and Casey, Tony Katz, a night with WIBC. And again, it's all made possible by our good friends at Relay Indiana. They do so much for the community. But uh, if you want to buy tickets, you better hustle. As of this morning, there were only 48 left. Ticketmaster.com. Search for WIBC. We have the top stories of the day coming up next. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC.
1: So let's
0: rock it. My name is Jason Hammer, Guy Relford, pinch hitting for Nigel today. Guy, we have a lot of serious things going on in this country right now. We've got crime, we've got drugs, we've got an economic situation that's not ideal. Put that very mildly, we've got some serious stuff going on. But where does Kim Jong-un getting squirrely again rank in terms of the things that we need to be focusing on in this
3: country? Because North Korea started to make a little bit more noise. I'd say not high enough in terms of the attention that our government's given this right now. Because, listen, the number one threat we have, I think, as far as uh, foreign policy, as far as international threats... Is all linked to how weak our commander in chief is right now. He's indecisive. He's incompetent. We all know that. That we have we have no clear international policy. Um, we have not delivered any stern messages whatsoever, other than a, a little bit of lip service in the UN. Now you got a guy who has nuclear capability who clearly wants to develop it, and we're all standing around as a national government. Anyway, we're standing around with our hands in our pockets. That's scary. It's a scary dynamic where you have this guy, this aggressive, and not only that, it, listening to some of the things they're putting out on their national media on right. what it is their goal is, and 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 as far as we know, the our our national government, our U.S. government is is is, is not really responding with any kind of forceful message. I think it's scary as hell, and I'm. I'm not an alarmist. I'm not a guy who runs around and goes, oh, you know, we better big dig storm shelters or, you know, or nuclear bomb shelters in our backyard. But this is scary because we have such an incompetent leader in this country right
0: now. Right. When you look at who the leader of North Korea is... It's kind of embarrassing that we have a more incompetent leader. (laughs) Right. Right? Exactly. Fat boy right now is putting the fear into the United States because they know that uh, hair sniff McGee is not going to do anything about it. Exactly. Now, the reason we're bringing this up is that North Korean state media reported earlier today that uh, missile launches that were intended to, quote, hit-and-wipe-out potential South Korean and U.S. targets following recent naval drills have been tested. Quote, Through seven times of launching drills and tactical nuclear operations units, the actual war capabilities of the nuclear combat forces ready to hit and wipe out the said objects at any location and any time are on full display. That's what was said by Korean Central News Agency. Now again, I get it, it's state-run media. They're going to make it sound like they've got a better military than Russia, the United States, and everybody combined. They don't, but they've made a lot of progress. There was a time, Guy, where you remember, we would laugh at what Fat Boy was trying to do because every missile would go up and then it would land right
3: back in the ocean and it was failed. They've made a lot of progress here. Well, that's right, And, and consider this. They're confident enough, they're bold enough to make that public statement. Do you do that if you think that the U.S. is going to respond in any meaningful way? If if you're in any way afraid of what the U.S. response would be, do you make that public statement? Because to your point, this is state-run media. This doesn't get released without Fatboy himself having released it. So that statement being made, why are they that confident in, in making that statement and not expecting some catastrophic U.S. response in the sense of, in, you know, it, it, incredible sanctions, or in the sense of, Something strong the U.S. government could potentially do to end this threat, they have no fear of that, and that's the scariest thing right now is that they don't fear our leadership in Washington right now.
0: They know there's not an orange man that's going to put out a tweet that says "blank around and find
3: out." Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and 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 since Biden won election uh, in, in 2020, that's been my biggest fear. Not only driving the economy into the dirt, but but what the um, what what our enemies abroad would think about attacking the U.S., in any given way, financially, um, or militarily, whatever it might be, because we've got such an, an incompetent boob in the White House right now.
0: And his first test was the Afghan withdrawal, which was right. a complete debacle Couldn't have that been cost the lives of uh, men and women serving our country. The rest of the world saw that. And that's why you've got an emboldened fat boy over there launching missile after missile saying, yeah, this is what we're wanting to accomplish. Exactly. Jennifer Griffin, uh, she is with Fox News. She covers what's happening with North Korea. She broke this down earlier today.
2: The latest North Korean missile launches are testing more than ballistics. They're testing the metal and reaction time of the U.S. South Korea Japanese alliance. When the news broke last night, I was still here at the Pentagon. At first, South Korea said it was one missile. In fact, it was two. And Japan had to retract a news release suggesting that one of the two missiles flew over Japan again. They did not. Today, North Korea flew 12 warplanes near its border with South Korea, which prompted the South to scramble 30 military planes in response. The U.S., which had not carried out military exercises with South Korea in nearly five years, launched warplanes with Japan. Two U.S. ships belonging to the USS Ronald Reagan Carrier Strike Group carried out trilateral ballistic missile defense exercises with South Korean and Japanese warships in the Sea of Japan today. The USS Chancellorsville provided air defense. The exercise included detecting, tracking and intercepting simulated targets, as well as coordination communication. Communication and information sharing between the three countries. This follows live fire exercises between the U.S. and South Korea and air drills between the U.S., Japan, and South Korea.
0: So it does sound like, based off the reporting of Jennifer Griffin of Fox, that the United States is aware, the United States is taking it seriously. But as you know, Guy, there's a difference between talking about something, doing an exercise about something, and then when it's actually go time, doing something about it I
3: think it's a legitimate question to, 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 to ask would Korea be doing this North Korea be doing this right now with you know, a Donald Trump in the White House or, or even a GW Bush in the White House um, would they be would, would would Vladimir Putin be hinting around at, at potentially using nuclear weapons on the battlefield in Ukraine if Donald Trump was in the White House again even George W. Bush. Ask yourself that question, and and, and I think that's legitimate to ask. I think a lot of what we're seeing right now in terms of provocation from our enemies abroad is specifically because of the weakness we have in our commander-in-chief. And listen, not to make it just
0: a partisan situation, do you think, let's just for argument's sake here, say Barack Obama was still the president, do you think that fat boy would be doing this with Obama as the president? Because to me, while Obama never was that strong iron fist— if you talk to him enough, you can talk him into raids like the one that killed uh, the bin Laden. I bin Laden. Thank you. Yeah. Had a brain fart right there. No, you okay. can talk him into those types of situations. And Obama was a guy. Say what you want about him. He really cared. He did not want to look weak. You can go at him for a lot of reasons. And trust me, there are reasons to go at him. But it was important to him and his ego. He didn't want to look weak. With Joe Biden, man, that bird flew out the window a long time ago.
3: I think a really legitimate point, Jason, and I, and I would say this. I do not think it would be happening under uh, Obama's administration because, you know, look, economically, I couldn't have disagreed with him more on Second Amendment issues. I couldn't have possibly right. disagreed with him more. But he was decisive. He was lucid and I think very, very, very intelligent and could analyze a situation well. I completely disagree with this politics, but I think the question you ask is completely legitimate, and I think the answer is no. I don't think this would be happening the way it is today um, if, if Obama was still in the White House.
0: There's a reason why so many people that worked in the Obama White House have gone out and have just been flaming Joe Biden. Yeah, We've heard a lot of their economic experts and foreign policy folks. They want to make sure they're giving their administration that Heisman Trophy stiff arm and distancing themselves from
3: Joe Biden's because they don't want to be tied into this mess. Well, no, exactly. And and look, it's an often repeated quote, but you heard from Obama, he even said, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. Remember that quote? And, 100%. And how legit is that? That holds up today. <laughs> Barack Obama
0: said a lot of things that turned out to be wrong or ridiculous, but that's the one that really really holds up today.
3: Emma and Nigel presents Is This. Everything,
1: everything. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything
3: 93
0: Oh, we are going to have some fun here. Guy <laughs> Relford is in for Big Nige, and Guy is going to play Is This Anything. Are you ready? I'm on it, man. Here we go dateline california a california fire engine crew is being investigated after footage of a woman dressed in a bikini exited their vehicle and headed into a strip club that it was parked in front of here is the uh neighboring business owner talking about this video which has since gone viral
3: what do you say i mean my mouth dropped and she had no clothes on and what's she doing inside the fire truck and who's running the fire truck and who's in charge and why did they allow this I mean, somebody's in trouble. So, Guy, this
0: sounds like the most fun fire truck I have (laughs) ever heard in my life, but some people have a problem with it. Is this anything?
3: No, man. First of all, firefighters are studs, right? I mean, I, when we have the annual firefighter you know, meeting here in Indianapolis, it's so cool to come downtown. All the firefighters are in town. And uh, if and, and look, we need to be equal opportunity about it because I, I know some female firefighters that are complete badasses as well. Sure. I think every fire truck ought to come equipped with both male and female strippers on it, specifically for the entertainment of the firefighters, because they are such incredible badasses to begin with. We just owe that to them as a community service as far as I'm Concern.
0: And listen, I don't know what's on the inside of a fire truck, but back at the fire station, there's a pole there, right? So it feels like if anybody is going to know what it's like to relate to a stripper, it's going to be the firefighters who have a pole literally inside their house, right? I,
3: well, it just makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, this and, is and, the and, training.
0: This is what we've been
3: waiting for, gentlemen. And, and, and by the way, this entire discussion is for humor purposes only. And, and Mrs. Relford, please let me come home when I, when, you know, when I get off the air today
0: I will say this about the firefighter convention I almost got into a little altercation with one of these meatheads one year though guy <laughs> so I'm driving into uh, work and it's just under the Arts Garden, right And mm-hmm. that lights always red so I'm stopped and I'm waiting and uh, the light turns green now I'm old enough to know you never just floor it when it turns green yep. because there's people still walking by so I wait a couple seconds and I start to eventually motor my way to the garage Well, firefighter guy comes out. He's walking when he's not supposed to. So I stop, and I slam on my brakes. He smacks my car like I'm the bad guy. So I lay on a horn, which probably went for about five or six seconds, and I'm yelling some things outside Mm -hmm. of my window. He keeps on walking. I go back into my
3: garage. Was that wrong on my behalf? Well, during conventions in Indy, don't we see that all the time, right? People, you're out there with the big groups and they're kind of walking along.
0: Dude, the FFA, when those FFA kids are here. It takes
3: forever to get through downtown.
0: You got to be careful because those kids don't pay attention. But yeah. this was a grown-ass man, right? And the sleeves were rolled up and he was being Mr. Tough Guy. And he slaps my car when he was doing it wrong.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, of all the people that I would roll up on and then slam my horn on, uh, I would not be a firefighter. And <laughs> I'd be I'd be showing that brother respect and saying, uh, you know, you, you enjoy indie and go, right on along. So, yeah, no, I'm voting on the firefighter on this All one, brother. Right.
0: All right, fine. I was representing Indy. This is my city. I live here. I pay taxes. You don't get to walk into my car and then lay on the ground, my neck, my back. I need $150,000. See, and
3: you thought we didn't have the segment, Am I a Bad Guy? What was the segment Am called? Am I a horrible person? Am I a horrible person? I mean, we haven't had Am I a Horrible Person on, on Hammer and Nigel in quite some time. We just had a segment of that right here. <laughs> right. And I'm voting for, yeah, let the firefighter walk across oh, the street. On, You're a horrible person. Oh,
0: come of people who are awesome and are badass. (laughs) This tough guy wanted to smack my car for walking across the lane when he
3: wasn't supposed to. Nah, we love firefighters when they come to Indy. Uh, You're a horrible person.
0: (laughs) Is this anything? A 49-year-old man tried out and made the North Dakota State College football team. He's 49 years old. Here is Ray Russell and his teammate Manny talking about playing the sport at his advanced age. First day of pad practice, uh, I was very nervous. Trying to hang with young kids, I was kind of afraid I was not going to measure up. There's always that underlying fear. He goes hard at every rep. He makes sure that he's doing his job. Loves love sport, and I just go
3: out there and I give it my all.
0: Guy, he plays the defensive line, too. So we're not talking about somebody that's, you know, he's on the roster, but he's not getting touched. He's a
3: kicker. Yeah, no, no, no. He's a
0: D lineman. He's 49. He's mixing it up.
3: Uh, you know, of every story you've ever had on, is this anything? This is at my top of my list for this is something. <laughs> I so love this story. When I, I saw the video on, I saw the news coverage on this. This is so something. You have no idea. I'm 64 years old, and I still have this recurrent dream that the Colts call me up and want me to play tight end. I mean, because that's why I played at DePaul. It's you know, not that far-fetched, ago. guy. <laughs> have you,
2: have you no, seen the blocking no, no, no. of these no, tight no. ends? They no, could no. use you right now.
3: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I have a trouble. I have trouble hopping a high curb, much less running across the middle on a slant pattern but no this is so cool this guy's 49 years old and the fact that he's making this happen that he was in that kind of shape and that he's a veteran uh and go and going out and playing defensive line and north dakota state well that's i'm not sure what exactly division they're at least division two if not better than that right they play some big time games they play some big time games uh nor, where, where, Vinatieri, where where, where where did he play? I think he went to North Dakota. I think that was North Dakota. I think that's yes. right. But still, no. Of, of Every story we've ever had on is this anything, this is my favorite one. God bless this guy. He's a stud. And I, I'm his number one fan. So there's
0: three people in this room that all had visions of college football at one point. <laughs> guy actually played. I uh, practice squatted it and then said, yeah, getting this crap beat out of me, I'm not Rudy. The joy of running out of Ball State Stadium is not for me. Yeah. Kyle, you you thought about it a little bit. Yeah, I uh, played pickup backyard football and almost got recruited to the Ball State practice squad. And I uh, heard horror stories from me, from Hammer, (laughs) well, and from other guys that were on the team. And they're like, dude, you'll be a tackling dummy. Don't do it right. Like, imagine how much Rudy got his ass whooped at Notre Dame. And but the payoff was, you know, he got to put on the Golden Dome helmet. He got to run out. And that was one of the best teams in America. Yeah, the joy isn't the same of running out of Schumann Stadium.
3: Well, I'll tell you, what, real, real real, short, I, I, I was first-team All-State when I was playing at Carmel, so I got recruited by bigger schools. I did a recruiting trip to Tennessee. I did a recruiting trip. Rocky Top, baby. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but anyway... Um, so I was thinking about trying to play bigger uh, at a bigger school but my coach Dick Dolehan at Carmel at the time said guy you're not really good enough playing the big ten you're not real you're definitely not good enough to play in the SEC so as between DePaul or Wabash whoever offers you the better deal to come because that's when Division three schools still gave athletic scholarships whichever school gives you the better deal that's where you're gonna go so I had my recruiting trip at DePaul and I walked in and they had a coach named Tommy Mont who'd literally been there for 40 years and and I walked in and and, and I sit down and he's Making some notes. And he finally looks up and he goes, uh, Oh, you're Guy Relford. I go, Yeah. And he goes, You want Carmel. I went, Yeah. And he goes, Well, you're supposed to be pretty good. I go, Well, thanks, coach. He goes, Have you been to Wabash yet? And I said, No, sir, I'm supposed to go next weekend. He goes, They don't have girls at Wabash. <laughs> and, they, and
0: this and is they, the rival school of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh.
3: DuPont, Wabash. They're only 35 miles apart, you know, down 231. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, They don't have girls at Wabash. And I said, No, sir, I, I understand. That's an, an all men's school. And he goes, When I went to college, I wanted to go to college where they had females. Maybe you don't feel that way. <laughs> and I went, no, no, I like girls. Hold on. What do you mean? He's no, calling out your manhood. Absolutely. Guy. I've been in this guy's office for 27 seconds, and he just called out my sexuality. I'm going, no, I want to go to college where they have girls. He goes, you still going to Wabash next weekend? I go, no, sir. I'm coming to DePaul. <laughs> wow. He got you. And it worked. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
0: <laughs> no sleep till. No
1: <laughs> You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on
0: 93 WIBC. At this point, we can just call the show Hammer and Friends, right? I mean, that's really what it's become. Nigel, again, I've said this because people ask me all the time. He has the same amount of vacation time that I have. But he also takes like five weeks of sick time because he's a fat alcoholic that doesn't take care of himself. <laughs> so it feels like he's never here, guy.
3: Well, but occasionally there's a medical emergency, like the complications from, um, um, was it butt bleaching that you mentioned? Anal bleaching. Anal bleaching. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. But again, thank you for filling in today. Oh, man,
3: it's always, it's always fun. I look forward to coming back Thursday.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll have to make it thirsty Thursday.
3: Yeah, no. Now we're talking. I'll have some beer in the fridge for you.
0: Um, we do have some updates on some stories that we've been talking about here. Let's start with what's happening at the border. You're still seeing this migrant surge continuing at the U.S. southern border. Just because we're getting closer to the midterms doesn't mean that that story has somehow fixed itself. It's just finding itself on you know, back pages or later in newscasts because we're talking about polls and candidate A and candidate B, but there's still a major problem with immigration at the border. And New York City's mayor, Eric Adams. Now, remember, he was one of these guys that was finger wagging what's happening with, you know, the folks down in Texas and Arizona. Oh, we would welcome you in New York. A lot of these places that are sanctuary cities were the first ones to virtue signal, and now they've got their panties in a wad when they're actually called on their bull crap. Listen to what New York City's mayor, Eric Adams, has to say on the migrant crisis. And I'm putting crisis in air quotes here because guys like Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis are sending migrants to New York City.
3: New Yorkers are angry. I am angry, too. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. This responsibility was simply handed to us without warning as buses began showing up the hell what, what, How how is that different from er, every community along the southern border right in California and Arizona and New Mexico Texas, and Texas and the people showing up in Florida I mean did any of them I mean my god you supported these policies and you, you sound like you're somehow different I was like well I never thought I would be influenced by my own political decisions. I thought that would just be something that would fall on other people, so it makes no difference to me. That is astounding to me.
0: You don't get to virtue signal and wag your finger about the immigration policies, and then when you get called on it, to use a poker term, your bluff gets called and now all of a sudden your feelings are hurt and you're angry. It doesn't work that way.
3: It doesn't work that way, and it's just literally, and, and, and this move of of DeSantis um, you know, and, 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 and Abbott in Texas um, sending these folks into these northern communities, I think it's just brilliant. And and look, we, you need to allay some rumors that are out there. They they're not forcing anybody to go. They're interviewing them. They're saying, look, you got an opportunity to go to Washington D.C. Got an opportunity to go to Martha's Vineyard. Right. Hell, if I got a free bus trip to Martha's Vineyard, I'd probably take it too. But I mean, they flew. They, they got on well, they, you know, the there you go. airlines. Yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, they're asking these people, and they're saying, yeah, you know, sounds like a nice place. Let me go to New York. Let me go to Washington. Um, and and I, I just think it's brilliant because it points out perfectly the. Hypocrisy of these people. And that's the only way you can term it is no, Texas ought to have to bear the burden of, uh, and we're talking about a few plane uh, loads of these people or bus loads. We're talking millions of people that have flowed over into Arizona, New Mexico and Texas alone. Millions, literally millions of people. And and, and these liberal Democrats, these liberal elites, that's the only way to describe it. They're fine with Texas and, and Arizona and New Mexico bearing that burden, but just a small little fragment falls on them in New York or Washington or Martha's Vineyard, which was hilarious, and suddenly it's a catastrophe. hypocrisy is the only word to use to describe it.
0: The sheriff in one of the border towns in Arizona, the sheriff of Cochise County, came out and said earlier today that the Biden administration is ignoring their requests. So if the Biden administration is going to ignore sheriffs of these border towns, then it's up to your local elected leaders to figure out a way to fix the situation now for texas and florida that meant sharing the wealth which again surprises me that some of these democrats don't like that because that's their big thing share the wealth right they love the socialist crap well here you go you get some immigrants and you get some immigrants here you go knock yourselves out
3: sounds like wealth redistribution to me that's the whole democratic platform
0: 100 uh here's an update on a story we talked about a lot last year and then the New York Post had a follow-up on it the spending of the black lives matter political organization now we say this all the time because people want to put words in your mouth there is a difference between believing the cause black lives matter and And the political committee, Black Lives Matter, that raised money on the Summer of Love to allegedly pass out to urban communities around the country. There's a difference between the two. So with that being said, we're talking about the group that raised money. And Patrice Cullors, she was the head of the organization. She recently completed tens of thousands of dollars in renovations on her posh Los Angeles home, including building a new pool and backyard sauna this comes after many cities and states claim that they never received funds from the blm fundraising back in 2020 cities like indianapolis philadelphia atlanta chicago they all came out very publicly and said hey where's the money at you guys raised you know tens upon 20 of millions of dollars where's the money at Now, the New York Post has been doing a great job of breaking everything down here. Colors, who resigned from Black Lives Matter uh, back in uh, March of 2021, she got busted of buying a $1.4 million home, according to public records. This goes along with the other four properties that she bought for $3.2 million among the financial troubles of the Black Lives Matter political group guy.
3: Well, well, Jason, let's draw an analogy here. Right now, the NRA is getting sued in New York because they say that they didn't actually operate as a nonprofit organization and too many people within the, the NRA leadership made too much money from NRA. And New York Attorney General Letitia James is suing to actually disband to, 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 to make NRA go away as a nonprofit organization because they didn't operate as a nonprofit where's the attorney general who's suing black lives matter and 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 this young lady saying that she made millions and millions and millions of dollars and and where's the accounting for every dime if, if you contributed to black lives matter? You should, and I'll guarantee you, there are people, members of my extended family who gave money to Black Lives Matter. And as a, as someone who gave money to Black Lives Matter, you ought to be demanding an accounting. Do I want to know where every dime went? Because as a nonprofit, you have to track that. That's a requirement. I started a nonprofit, the 2A Project, a gun rights group. You have to track that information. Where did every dime go? And if millions upon, literally, Three to four million dollars. She bought multiple homes and then
0: basically said this was needed for
3: business purposes. Where's the lawsuit? And look, I'm and I've I become very critical of NRA, so don't think I'm an apologist for NRA. However, where's the similar lawsuit by an attorney general to say Black Lives Matter did not operate as a nonprofit organization? It operated merely to make its leaders rich. And ought to be disbanded as a nonprofit because it didn't operate as a nonprofit. Where's that attorney general lawsuit?
0: Now, if you want to go after Donald Trump's taxes, be my guest. It feels like they've been sure. doing that song yeah, and right. dance for a number of years now. Knock yourselves out. But if we're wanting transparency, if fairness is the end game here, you've got to look at BLM because Patrice Cullers, I'll say it, she stole. A lot of people's money for her own personal benefit.
3: Well, and who was the Trump supporter who just recently got indicted, if not convicted, because they started a nonprofit to raise money to build the wall, to complete the wall? Remember that? They Steve got millions. Bannon and company. Yes, and 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 but they didn't use all the money to actually complete the wall or contribute toward the wall. So what happened? They went to jail. They got indicted. Where is that criminal prosecution or where's that attorney general lawsuit as to BLM? That's a legitimate question, irrespective of your politics. Frankly, if you support BLM, you ought to be asking that question more than if you're someone who didn't because they took your money and they made this lady rich. That's not appropriate, and it it, it certainly is is inconsistent with your your obligations as a nonprofit organization.
0: Speaking of BLM, uh, the man who killed... Retired St. Louis police captain David Dorn, during the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020, was sentenced to life in prison. 26-year-old Stefan Cannon convicted of first-degree murder, robbery, burglary, three counts of armed criminal action. This was happened on social media, happened on Facebook Live. So David Dorn, a retired St. Louis captain, he was trying to protect, I believe it was a jewelry store and was trying to keep looting from happening, and this piece of human excrement murdered him on Facebook Live. It's disgusting, but I am happy that he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. I hope he stays there. But the thing that bothers me more than anything else, Guy, is the way the media carried the water for what happened that entire summer. We saw the murders. There were more murders here in Indianapolis. Chris Beatty was murdered trying to help someone. There was a murder downtown. We just talked about David Dorn. Every state, it feels like, has a story or two like this. But how did the media cover it? They made it sound like it was justified.
1: Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly.
3: That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up.
0: I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal
2: morally.
1: It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti fascism, which is what they were there,
3: um, fighting. Listen, there's you know, no organization is perfect.
2: Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times.
1: But thank goodness for the looters, man. And please <laughs> unbelievable show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful? I don't the care. constitution I don't <laughs> Do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened Listen before in the and background. this is so
0: terrible and where are we and these savages and all of that.
2: People get mad and people get sick of it. People are risking COVID oh, to explain so to this okay. country that we're fed up.
0: Thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically, and we should be the first to call it out. I disagree. <laughs> Unbelievable how the media, and I put that in a broad category. It's not everybody, but it was a lot of people, carried the water for the violence, the destruction, the killing, the looting that took place in 2020, but there was no bigger shill, no bigger, yes, boss, I'll say whatever you want, than CBS's Nora O'Donnell when she walked up to sat down and with a straight face said this on the news
2: the protests in late spring were mostly peaceful but damage from looting and arson will cost one to two billion dollars in claims that's according to the insurance information institute
0: now it's mostly peaceful but there may be billions and billions of
3: dollars worth of damage wasn't it a cnn reporter standing in front of a burning auto parts store in milwaukee and, 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 and use the same term. These have been mostly peaceful. Right. And literally, he's standing in front of a burning business saying mostly peaceful. It was the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen.
0: The first clip that we played was MSNBC's uh, Velshi standing in front of a liquor store that had been looted and was on fire. Things are pretty peaceful, with the exception of a few things. It's a burned-down, looted liquor store in the background. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Scientists have figured out that we as a society do our best deep thinking in the shower because it's boring. It's you know, a mindless task. And sometimes your mind can think about other things while you're just standing there under the warm water. <laughs> this is what our scientists are working on right now, Guy. Yeah. So this got me thinking, well, who does the best deep thinking of anybody? And I think we all agree there's only one correct answer here. Dr. Phil And now, Deep Thoughts with Dr. Phil
3: You want a piece of me, bitch? Deep Thoughts
0: (laughs) with Dr. Phil Guy, do you feel like you've been enlightened? Do you feel like
3: uh, that you've had some deep thoughts with Dr. Phil? Not so much with Dr. Phil, but definitely in the shower. Oh, okay. Well, let me just
0: stop you right there. (laughs) Dr. Phil's got more thoughts for you And now, Deep Thoughts with Dr. Phil.
3: You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200.
0: Deep thoughts <laughs> with Dr. Mondo, Phil. Mondo, do
3: you feel like you've been
0: enlightened? I'm close. We're almost there. Okay, well, i tell you what. I think we can do one more deep thought with Dr. Phil. And now, <laughs> deep
3: thoughts with Dr. Phil. Put some leaves in my mouth and set them on fire. Deep thoughts. <laughs> It's the Hammer Dr. and Nigel Phil. Show.
0: Top stories next. <laughs> Hammer and Nigel. you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Jason Hammer. Guy Relford, the gun guy, filling in for Big Nige today. Uh, coming up here at 530, Kevin Bowen will join us. We're going to find out. What he thinks about the Colts and the Jags matchup coming up this weekend. Plus, somebody lost their job with the IU football team. We'll talk about that coming up at 530. Maybe just maybe we'll do a round of Ask the Gun Guy, too. We got a lot of stuff to get to here. But, Guy, I want to touch on this story about this Democratic rep who's running for a congressional seat and basically had one of his allies leak his Republican opponent Jen Ruth Green's military records to a reporter hoping that they would find dirt. Well, this reporter, being the good little liberal that he is, ran the story and, oh, by the way, may or may not have outed this woman as a survivor of sexual assault. So the Democratic rep in question is Frank Marvin, and he's running against Jen Ruth Green. So Frank Marvin had one of his cronies leak his Republican opponent greens military records to Adam Wren of Politico. Now, Adam Wren, super liberal, works for Indianapolis Monthly, which I believe is still in the MS building. He was the guy that basically outed himself as the pencil neck that Greg Garrison was once talking about. Greg Garrison said there was some pencil neck intern, blah, 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 blah. I had no idea who he was talking about until Adam Wren outed himself on social
3: media. Hey, I'm that pencil
0: neck. Right, right. I was never an intern. Oh, okay. Well, you clearly answered the question of who the pencil neck was. So Adam Wren runs this story, and while they're trying to own the conservative candidate, they basically out that she is a survivor of sexual assault by an Iraqi soldier. Now, I'm going to get your thoughts on this, but I'm going to read the statement From the campaign of Jennifer Ruth Green. Again, she's a candidate for Congress in Indiana's first congressional district. This is on the heels of this leaked information and then the posting of the story by Adam Wren. Quote I'm a survivor of sexual trauma in the military. I'm being forced to share this information outside of my own timeline for the first time publicly because my congressman, Frank Marvin, and his cronies illegally obtained my military records describing my sexual assault. His team fished the details of my assault to different news outlets, asking them to share misinformation to portray me as a failed military officer who lacks integrity. This is false. Uh, the statement from Ruth Green goes on. I believe after sharing my assaults against the evidence of some of, in my command, my career was intentionally derailed. The paperwork Congressman Marvin illegally obtained contains information that reflects me in a negative light. I have since appealed the incident with the military, and the entire issue is settled. Clearly, I have progressed as a military member, promoting to the rank of lieutenant colonel and successfully completing a command tour. I've written to the United States attorney, the Air Force inspector general and the Department of Defense, asking them to launch criminal probes into the release of confidential personal files. I'm saddened to have... I'm saddened to have to share publicly one of the most private events of my life, and I'm even more saddened that the congressman who I applauded for authoring the military sexual trauma bill would engage in or tolerate this despicable behavior from his campaign and his allies it's unacceptable for every vet it's unacceptable for every woman and it's unacceptable for anyone who's ever been a victim of sexual assault so she goes on and on but that's the nuts and bolts of her statement so we get a lot going on here you've got this democratic rep who wants to act like he cares about what happens with sexual trauma with members of the military but allegedly fishing information and then you've got Adam Wren thinking this is okay as long as he can get clicks for Politico because that's one of his new gigs now and he can own the conservatives and by the way if you look at that guy's social media Adam Wren on Twitter trying to get away from that story as fast as you can let's talk about Pete Buttigieg let's talk about something else this is pretty gross.
3: It's pretty gross, and I gotta tell you, um, it, it may be a violation of the law as well. There are statutes out there, and look, how this applies to an event that happened um, you know, uh, over in, in Iraq, um, you know, how this applies to military records is, is an open question, and I won't uh, posit any kind of a guess on that. However, there are statutes out there that protect the confidentiality um, of the identity of victims of sexual assault. And those are out there for a reason. Um, and it and 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 I got to believe the, the 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 violation of this lady's privacy here is worth uh, the investigation that she's called for and I really hope not only that that people get called to, to task politically uh, somebody could could potentially go to jail here uh, and and that's because this is a big deal you're talking about one of the most private things that could ever potentially happen to someone the most devastating things one of the most devastating things could ever happen to a woman clearly uh, and to have that used for for political purposes is beyond disgusting it may be criminal
0: and if you go to adam wren's twitter feed and this is a guy that tweets all the time he loves to fight with wibc loves to kind of spitball and do these types of things for this big of a story for this national byline of politico you think it'd be pinned at the top you'd think this would be front and center uh let's scroll through He's bashing Rakita, generic story, uh, trying to lift up Pete Buttigieg, uh, generic story, talking about everything but what we just mentioned. And I don't want to go through his feed anymore. And I really don't want to give him any more attention because it seems like anytime that clown wants attention, he tries to pick a fight with somebody here at WIBC. Uh, but I get trying to own the other side, own the libs, own the conservatives. But when you're outing somebody with sexual assault, that's disgusting. There are things that are beyond uh, politics. This is pretty horrific to me.
3: It, it really is, and again, I, I don't know how the law applies in this situation, so I don't know if this is in fact a crime. Uh, but there are clearly laws out there that protect this kind of information, and and I would think there there are laws that protect the confidentiality of military personnel records generally. I mean, we don't want those being leaked and used for political purposes. So I don't know. Uh, it's not something I've, I've I've analyzed from a legal perspective, so I won't make a guess in that area. But I'm glad there's an investigation. I'll be very interested in seeing uh what the results of that are
0: garrison was right about that dude uh meanwhile let's shift gears and talk about the midterms um it's clear there's a playbook for the democrats and it's avoid debates right the last thing the democrats want is fetterman to go up there in a debate against dr oz and say ridiculous things he agreed to one really close to the election with a bunch of crazy stipulations to it all right fine But in Arizona, their governor race is wild. Uh, You've got Katie Hobbs, who's in a pretty contested race with Carrie Lake for the governor's race out in Arizona. She basically went on CBS News this weekend and admits she's ducking debate. One more time before we let you go, because I think it is on the mind of Arizona voters. Are you saying this morning that there is no circumstance that you can envision or would even try to negotiate in which you and Carrie Lake would appear at a debate together before the election?
2: At this point in the race with 30 days to go, uh, our schedule in terms
1: of, of forums uh, is pretty much set. And and I'm really happy with where we are in uh, the plans we have to continue talking directly to the voters of
3: Arizona.
0: That's fancy talk for. No, I'm not going dil- to debate Carrie Lake because she would hand my panties to me in a bunch. <laughs> and there's nothing I can say that will match what she is going to say. Look forward to seeing you on Election Day. Thank yeah. you. That's basically what that is. All right, let's open it up. We got time to do a round of Ask the Gun Guy. We have the best 2A attorney in all of America here at our disposal. The man that has written laws and legislation here in Indiana, ready to answer your questions on anything gun-related. What can you do with your gun? What about certain situations? When is it okay to use your weapon? Anything 2A-related, we got you. 239 9393, that's the number. 2399393, ask the gun guy. Your call's coming up. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. Bang, bang, bang. It is time to ask the gun guy to a attorney and host of The Gun Guy Show, Guy Relford, filling in for big Nigel today. You ready, Guy?
3: Uh, Absolutely. Always ready. Love doing this. Let's
0: go to Richard. Richard, welcome to The Hammer and Nigel Show. We got the gun guy here.
1: Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I was I got a question about your class that you offer. I wanted to find out some particulars on that. What site to go to find out about it? And also, I've got a question about um, the mall. Uh, they have uh, a new stipulation. In fact, they're kicking people out if you go in there with a gun and you hear you know you have a uh, you have a permit hearing. But uh, yeah, me
3: Let me answer both those for you. We passed constitutional carry. I'll take the second question first. We passed constitutional carry effective July 1st this year. And that just means if you're a law-abiding citizen who's not prohibited by either state or federal law from possessing a gun, you can carry a handgun. In those places where it's otherwise legal for you to carry a handgun without having to go get a handgun license, so we've made the handgun license optional. That's really the the short summary of constitutional carry. And uh, and by the way, I, you were not a paid plant, but I appreciate you calling in and asking for about my about my class. Uh, I teach a class called Essentials of Indiana Gun Law, and if you're interested in that, just go to tactical-firearms.com. Next one's coming up November 5th. So tactical-firearms.com Click on upcoming courses, and you got it.
0: Let's go to Jay. Jay is next up. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, hey Guy. Uh, I've listened to your show a lot. So you've touched on it before that if you're in your house and someone's breaking into your vehicle, et cetera, and you know how people will make a, a quick decision and run out the door with a firearm and make a decision that obviously they'll regret. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video of the, the guys having their catalytic converter cut off, and they came out the door with paintball guns and lit them up. So I just want to, you know, school the audience on, you know, the ramifications of both actions
1: and, and uh, you know, what we should and shouldn't do.
3: Yeah, well, it's a great question. And uh, as I've talked about in my classes and, and on my show on Saturdays, um, and when it comes to defending your property, and I'm not talking about your home, I'm talking about your car or your catalytic converter, you can use reasonable force to defend your personal property, but you can't use deadly force. So if some guy's cutting off my catalytic converter, can I go out there and drag his ass out from underneath my car and hit him a couple times? Yes, I can. Um, but I can't shoot him. I can't use deadly force. A paintball gun—I don't think anybody's going to call that deadly force. Um, so running out there with a paintball gun—I have not seen that video. Um, but you know, I don't know that that would be my weapon of choice in that situation. But it doesn't sound like deadly force to me. I think in all likelihood, the they, the police and the prosecutor's office would interpret that as using reasonable force to defend your personal property including your catalytic converter so
0: with some of these weapons that look like actual firearms but aren't where is the law at on that because in indiana you can't point a gun at somebody right now
3: unless your life is in danger do i have this correct that's right and it has to be uh, but but to be guilty of that crime of pointing a firearm has to be an actual firearm Uh, Okay, so
0: that's what I was asking. If you've got one of these weapons that looks like the real McCoy, but it's not, it's either a BB gun or it's something that Clark Griswold bought in vacation that looks like a real weapon.
3: Yeah, but I would never recommend that, Jason, because you're pointing your... You know, airsoft gun at someone trying to bluff them, and what do they do? They pull their real gun and shoot you in the head. Right. So uh, you brought an airsoft gun to, to an a actual gun fight. gun fight. Yeah, no, I, I would never recommend that. You're because you're, you're you're banking on the fight or flight response. Guess what? There are two possible responses: fight or flight and you don't know which one you're going to get, that would be a bad move on my part. If I'm going to uh, uh, take a weapon, uh, I'm going to have a real weapon, I'm going to be prepared to use it, recognizing there are times when I can use it legally and times I can't.
0: Let's go to Shane. Shane, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. we got Guy Relford here.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm a sports official, and as you know, a lot of these sporting events uh, take place at schools and whatnot. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, one of uh, Hammer's crazy parents chased me out in the parking lot. What are, what are my rights? What can I do? What can I not do? You know, being in school zone—that's always concerned me.
3: Well, it's a great question. You know, the 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 Indiana statute on guns on school property is one we've changed dramatically over the last five or six years. In fact, I've written three different bills, or helped write three different bills that's changed the law on guns on school property. You can have a gun locked out of sight, very important, it has to be locked and it has to be out of sight. That is, the vehicle has to be locked. Uh, you can have a gun on school property now in your vehicle. You can't have a gun out of the vehicle unless you're authorized by the school board to have a gun on school property. Um, Can you defend yourself if your life's threatened on school property? Yes, but you can't possess a gun outside your vehicle on school property unless you're authorized by the school board or you're a member of law enforcement. That's the short answer to your question.
0: So basically, he can't, you know, let's say he's a football referee or a baseball umpire. You can't be packing during the game, even if you have it hidden because you're scared for your life. You can't have it on the game on a school ground if the school says, no, you can't do this. That's right. He could keep it in his car. When he gets to his car, if there's an angry mob of parents, you blew that call. He's got the right to defend his life.
3: That's right. And I actually wrote that bill here about four and a half, five years ago where it used to be illegal to even have a gun in your vehicle on school property and we got that changed um, and, and that's a positive thing and and of course we had the predictions oh we're going to have mass shootings everywhere if people have guns in their cars and of course that hasn't happened. It simply, it simply allows people to leave their home allowing to, themselves to def- defend themselves and get home uh, without worrying about going to jail just because they have to park their car to school at some point.
0: All right, last word here goes to Chip. Chip, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Guy Relfords here.
1: Oh, wow. Thanks a lot. Uh appreciate you guys, uh big fans of both of you. Thank you. I uh, got a question. Yes, thank you. Uh several years ago, back in 2006 and 2009, I got a couple of DUIs. And I ended up with a Class D felony over it. Uh, My attorney was able to save my right to vote, uh, but he said, let's try. On down the road to see if we can get your right to carry back, uh, guy. My question is: Is do I need to hire you, or is there some way I can go through to expunge this without your services?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, anything a lawyer can do for you, you can you can attempt to do it yourself. Um, you know, that you can file something. Uh, uh, pro se as we say that is without a lawyer um, if you want somebody who you know has done it before and knows how to do it um, then I would say you need to hire a lawyer including me I, I do felony expungements regularly I've probably got half a dozen of them I'm working on my desk uh, right now um, but yeah after 8 years with a clean criminal history you can go back and expunge uh, a, a low level felony like what you're talking about off your record and that does restore your gun rights but you get one expungement in your lifetime So can you do it yourself? Absolutely. If you've only got one in your lifetime, do you want to try to do it yourself or you want to hire a professional? That's totally up to you, and I defer to your discretion.
0: Guy Relford, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, we got Kevin Bowen previewing Colts and the Jags. And can Purdue win their half of the Big Ten in football this year? Are you making some coaching changes?
1: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
0: It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford in for Big Nige. And let's go to the DriveHugler.com hotline and bring on Kevin Bowen. He's from our sister sports station, 107.5. The fan does the morning show, Kevin and Query. KB, on one hand, it was kind of nice not to have a Colts game yesterday. As fans, we didn't have to stress. We didn't have to yell. Our blood pressure was down. But then... Just when you think there's a chance that this horrible team could get into first place, Carson Wentz screws you over one more time.
1: (laughs) You know, as much as some things change, they just stay the same. I felt like I was watching the end of a game last season, albeit in a different color uniform with Wentz throwing that pick against Tennessee right at the goal line. I thought this was an unbelievable tweet I got. right. I tweeted out right after that play that, you know, Carson Wentz continues to kill the Colts in the clutch, and someone responded, well, there goes one of the highlights they could have put on the thank you for the memories video coming up here in a few <laughs> weeks when, when the Colts host the commander. So, right. Yeah, Tennessee heads their bye week. The Colts are a half game back at Tennessee. And then, obviously, it's a huge because Jacksonville is Sunday, but then they'll go to Tennessee next week after losing to both those teams earlier in the season.
0: So if Washington, whatever they're called now, the commanders, the commies, whatever, if they're able to score from first and goal at basically the one-yard line, the Colts are in first place as bad as the Colts have been they're in first place because Jacksonville lost yesterday, but Carson Wentz throws that pick in the end zone. And here the Colts are with a lot of teams with two wins, man. I'm looking around the league, Kevin. It feels like everybody for the most part has like two or three wins. Like the parody in the NFL this year is wild.
1: Yeah. And again, it's a league that's kind of driven by a lot of that parody, but I would agree. I mean, Look at the two divisions the Colts are playing this year, outside of their own, of course. They're playing the AFC West and the NFC East. At the start of the year, I think we all thought the AFC West was really a division unlike anything we've we've ever seen. Well, here are the Colts 2-0 against that division. The Colts play the NFC East. I thought that would be a division that would be very manageable this season. And you've got the Giants at 4-1, beating Green Bay in London yesterday. Philly's the only undefeated team in the league at 5-0. And then Dallas, with a backup quarterback, is 4-1. and one, And Cooper Rush, their backup, has started four games this season. So, uh, yeah, it's wild how it's played out. Like you said, 2-2-1, two, two and one, the Colts. But, you know, when you look at the 20 quarters they've played this season, like throughout the two overtimes, I mean, they were the superior team in maybe a handful of those quarters. And I think that's where you look at 2-2-1 two, two, and one and you think, God bless the AFC South. But when you compare that to kind of other teams in the league, this doesn't feel good.
0: Right. There's no rational Colts fan that can look at this team and feel good about being this close to first place. There's a lot of flaws here. Um, so let's kind of go down the list. Let's start with the offensive line. A lot of money invested in this offensive line. And I know Denver's defense is good, but when I watched that game Thursday, this reminded me of some of those early 90s Colts offensive lines where I mean the quarterback would drop back and the minute that he took the snap there was somebody ready to put a hit on him there's a lot of money invested here it's not working
1: you know simply hammer the highest paid offensive line in the NFL is broken I mean that's that's where you're at and it's a shocking statement to make on October 10th but that's where the Colts are at right now I mean if you're going to ask me, all right, Kevin, here's a depth chart for Sunday. Pencil in who you think is going to be the offensive line. I would only feel confident in really putting Quentin Nelson at left guard. Um, I assume Braden Smith will be the right tackle, but everything else is so much uh, up in the air. Um, it's not really an injury situation either. Like You haven't hit you know, injuries on the O-line yet, which I think is even a little bit more nerve-wracking because it is a group that gets beat up a whole lot. But, I mean, last Thursday, six sacks. I think the group was penalized six times as well. You know, Matt Ryan was under siege, and then when he did have time, you know, he he made a couple of egregious mistakes. And and I think that's a concern right now is, you know, somebody can go glass half full and say, well, the O-line was supposed to be a strength, so eventually it'll get back to that. But, again, the broken element, three, four guys, like it's so up in the air on what you even do at the end of this week. It's going to take the new group to build chemistry together. Then what happens when you hit, you know, injuries to that group? Um, so, so many questions right now, and it's a big reason why you're the worst scoring offense in the NFL.
0: And the tackle position on an offensive line, left tackle and then right tackle, so important to what you want to do as an offense. It's a mess. I mean, they're just playing musical chairs right now. Kevin, is there any circumstance at all that the $20 million man, Quinton Nelson, might be asked to play a little left tackle?
1: You know, I really don't think he wants to. And obviously, I can hear people say, you know, you're paid 20000000 million. You'll do, you know, what we want you to do or what we need you to do. But I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. I watched Quentin Nelson in college. He wasn't a left tackle there. Typically, you see a lot of guys play tackle in college, transition to guard in the NFL. That's not been something he's done. Um, and, and as much as I think that could be on the table, there's also the question of, well, are you making two positions worse then? And you know, some might argue, well, you can't get any worse at left tackle than you already are. But you know, are you taking away, you know, your best left guard and now making that position weaker? So there are no easy answers, Hammer, to it whatsoever. I think they really miss Jack Doyle. I know we don't talk a lot about that, but I think Doyle is a great, great blocker. I think he's missed um, certainly. So. Um, Until you get that issue solved and the team you're playing this Sunday, Jacksonville, they hit Matt Ryan 11 times in week two. They sacked him five times. You know they're going to try and get after him again. It's going to be the thing that kind of holds this team back from just being a better scoring offense. They've gone seven straight games with 20 points or fewer. That is the longest streak for this franchise since 1993. Um, That is a historical, historical note for a franchise that's used to scoring at a really high level.
0: Jacksonville coming into town this Sunday, uh, another big divisional game. The last time the Colts played the Jags, just a couple weeks ago, they went down to Jacksonville and laid a complete egg. Shut out and embarrassed in every aspect of this game. So let's talk about Matt Ryan. Has this been a regression compared to Carson Wentz just a year ago we opened up this break Kevin kind of making fun of uh, Carson Wentz throwing that pick in the end zone that allowed the Titans to win the game but honestly you look at what's happened with Matt Ryan this year has this been a step back compared to a year ago you know it
1: has in one area and that's the turnovers I mean I point back to Thursday those interceptions were egregious clean pockets I mean he he You know, easily could have thrown the ball away, checked the ball down, forced the ball into two situations that ended one scoring drive for you, one potential scoring drive, and then set up Denver with a great opportunity for for another scoring drive. So that, I think, is the concern. I mean, there's other elements of Ryan's game that you like. Obviously, the end-of-game situations, he's really put you in great spots to come back. Granted, You've had to come back because of his turnovers that have put you in that spot. Um, the fumble numbers, 11 on the year, seven interceptions. Uh, Carson Wentz threw seven all last season. It's it just, it's so alarming to me, Hammer, because the stuff he's doing just seems like dumb mistakes. And you would think a 15 year vet wouldn't fall into that. Like when Wentz had his turnovers last year, it was, you know, Houdini trying to keep plays alive, things like that. These mistakes are just stuff you'd expect from a rookie quarterback, not from a 15-year vet.
0: Uh, Kevin Bowen covers not only the Colts, but pretty much all things sports-related for 107.5 The Fan. We had some news out of Bloomington and the football program. Uh, Tom Allen, the head coach of the Hoosiers, has fired their offensive line coach. So since we're talking about bad offensive lines, let's talk about the Hoosiers. Is this a big deal, KB? Well, I I think it
1: is because, first off, it's a move that needed to happen in January. um, And you've cost yourself so much of the season and keeping Darren Hiller around there. Because the offensive line, if you're going to talk about competent position groups Indiana has had, it it has been that over the years. They've actually produced some NFL guys. I look at it, though, and think, is this the Tom Allen scapegoat for this season? You know, is this the move that, you know, Scott Dolson looks at and says, okay, this is the major issue. We're going to keep Tom Allen around and now the offensive line is going to get cleaned up. That's kind of how um, I view this 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 move.
0: Is Tom on the hot seat down in Indiana? Because he got a pretty big extension after that COVID year where Indiana seemingly played above their heads and everybody was fired up and they thought, oh, this is going to be our guy, and they gave him a big money extension. Is he on the hot seat now?
1: Um, I think he should be, but I don't think he is. I think the buyout, like you mentioned, is a little bit too much, Obviously, um, you know financially what you've done with Archie Miller and Mike, Mike Woodson, and the gas to be factored in. I I don't think he is now. If this totally tailspins and they lose out. Maybe, but I don't think uh, I don't think he is.
0: Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Purdue, who seems like they've put themselves in a pretty good position to make a run in that Big Ten Western side. Now keep in mind the Western half of the Big Ten doesn't feature. Michigan or Ohio State or some of your major players here but it's a down year for Wisconsin and some of these other squads Purdue's managed to win a couple games they've put themselves in a good spot haven't they
1: I think they're a Big Ten West favorite I mean for what Purdue did the last two weeks going on the road you know winning at Minnesota winning at Maryland finding ways to finish those games I mean with what happened with Penn State to start the season at Syracuse you know, a few weeks later, finishing games was the issue. I mean, if you look at Purdue to the first three, three and a half quarters, they could easily be undefeated right now. It's wide open. It's then Illinois and Nebraska, two and one right now. But I really think Purdue is the Big Ten West favorite. I think they'll have the best quarterback on the field in pretty much every game they play the rest of the year, and I think they could very well be at Lucas Oil Stadium, come December in the Big Ten title.
0: I know it's you know. St- human nature to do monday morning quarterback stuff here but if you just run the ball against penn state if you don't have <laughs> stupid penalties against syracuse you're right this team could be undefeated and knocking on the door of maybe a top 10 top 15 ranking
1: and, I, and that's the issue now is now your margin for error shrunk so the maryland game the minnesota games you know saturday at, at, at ross aid those are the games you just can't slip up because it's such a compacted big 10 west and you don't have that margin for error from what happened with Penn State and Syracuse earlier
0: in the year. So if we want more coverage, how do we find it, my friend?
1: Yeah, 107.5thefan.com has got all your written coverage. And then as you let off with, uh, Kevin and Query each morning on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, 7 to 10 a.m.
0: KB, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Hammer. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Guy Relford's in for Big Nige. We're coming right back.
1: And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 I V C
0: so what most of us would say was an abomination of a football game (laughs) the colts at denver uh taking on the broncos this past thursday a game without any touchdowns plenty of turnovers bad offensive line play bad quarterback play the colts won the game Guy Relford, you were there to witness that thing firsthand.
3: <laughs> I was, and and look, I, I was complaining a lot during uh, throughout, throughout the whole game. But I got to tell you, it was it was a it was a really fantastic evening for me because I have a son who lives in Denver. My son CJ, uh, much better football player at Carmel than I ever was, by the way, um, and he lives there with with his wife and three of my grandkids and my daughter Courtney. Uh, from Jacksonville, Florida, she and her husband flew into Denver. And we planned all this as soon as the schedule came out. And we saw the Colts were playing in Denver. And I have a son that lives in Denver. said, so that's it. We're going. Had you been to that stadium before? Yeah, I have. Probably two at least twice. Well, I was there for the playoff game eight years ago when uh, oh, Andrew right. Luck uh, okay. won in the playoffs, back when we thought Andrew Luck was going to be our generational quarterback and stick around forever and we we're going <laughs> to win Super Bowls, and that didn't work out. But at any rate, yeah, I'd been in that stadium, but we planned this family trip, and so we went and we had tickets, and I got to go with my family, got to tailgate. How, I was, tell you, how was Denver tailgate? Oh, it's awesome because there's a huge parking lot just outside, and you know, it's like a lot of stadiums. We've talked about this before. You know, Downtown Indy is fun to tailgate in, but there's like like this little parking lot here and this little parking lot there, they have this huge big parking lot that almost surrounds the stadium. So there's a lot of really good tailgating. Although tailgating is interesting in Denver because because pot is legal in Colorado. Oh, and that's So tailgating, right. you know, I'm used to tailgating where by just stay around pounding brewskis, right? Well, the, there was a lot of herb uh, um, being uh, right. partaken in out there uh, in in that parking lot. But tailgating was fun, and we grilled some dogs and brats, and then went into the game, and and we had a great time. It was not great football. No, but we had a fabulous time. There wasn't enough weed time. in that
0: parking lot to make that game entertaining. Well,
3: <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> well, I might I might disagree with that part. Like I said, that, I mean that's not you know that's not an interest of mine, so I, I wouldn't go in there. But but uh, there might have been some Bud Lights involved. But but I got to tell you, there there's some things that that, you know, that I think have been missed by the, the 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 commentators talking about that game. And yeah, offensive line is broken. Right, they had this big reshuffling. I hope that pays dividends over time. You know, where they move everybody around on the offensive line, um, but you know, to give up five, six sacks, you know, more commonly than not in these games, not okay. Give up fumbles, not okay. Um, but but here's what people don't get: in four games now, uh, Matt Ryan has led the Colts on what should have been a, a game-winning drive. Right? Right. But you
0: heard Kevin Bowen. The reason they should have been game-winning drives...
3: His fumbles. No, I get that. But, but but at the same time, in terms of being Matty Ice and a guy you can trust, you know, in in, in crunch time, four different times he's led this team on on, on drives that should have won the game. We miss a 42-yard field goal in, in Houston. We don't get to win. So, anyway, there are some positive things, and we got the W, so that's what matters. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7, on
0: 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.